0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, May 11th, and it is time for another episode of After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. Joining me right now, our very own Lauren Hickston. Lauren, welcome back.
1: Why, thank you, Kevin. I'm happy to be here.
0: Great to have you! We've got a, a an exciting show lined up today. Um, you and I have worked on this case and kind of came to a theme. So to let everybody know, the the since this is still fairly a new show, is this our third now? We done two. Yeah. Yeah, i, been releasing... I believe so. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. th- this will be the third. Yeah, I think so. I, I, we've been releasing so many new shows. Um, we have a schedule somewhere. I'm trying to keep it straight in my head. The the basis behind most of this show is your work on discovery calls and one-on-ones, that everyday stuff where you're down in the trenches working with people one-on-one to help them get healthier, to solve whatever health problem they want to solve. Um, we have two programs a Discovery Call, which is still completely free, um, we do the, the entire NutriQ and a discovery call free. Um, nobody does that except us. Uh, but we love that program. We've learned a lot through that program. We've helped a lot of people through that program. Um, and many times, that's all people need. I mean, they do the NutriQ, you work with them, you put, you know, we call it a 10 minute discovery call, but you put at least an hour into most of those calls ahead of time. We give them a 30 day plan to tackle you know, their biggest health challenge or whatever it is they decide they want to focus on. And many times by the end of that 30 days, they're so happy with their results, they don't want or need any more help, which is awesome. Um, but then occasionally we get people that say, wow, you know, this improved, that improved, I lost weight, I'm not on this medication anymore, but I still have this issue. And that's when we move to our one-on-one, which is a paid program but it's really affordable. You don't have to buy some giant package that you're tied into. We basically just let you buy time as you need it. And once you're happy with your results, then you don't have to pay anymore. Uh, you can always come back if you want. So this show, really, what we do is we, we choose a case Um, that maybe highlights a theme we want to talk about, and we use this as a way to educate other people. So you understand how our process works in case you want to go through it, or you may learn enough listening to the show, you may not need to go through that process if you decide not to. Uh, We'll give you some resources, you may be able to do a lot of this stuff on your own. So what is our theme today? What's uh, what's the general topic we want to talk about, and then we can get to our or case study as well.
1: Well, Kevin, today we are going to focus on digestion. So as we know, it's a, it's a critical component in health. You can be eating the best diet ever, but if you're not digesting your food, you're not going to be able to absorb the nutrients in the food. So today we're really going to focus on digestion and what the digestive system, you know, how it functions and what it looks like and, how it works when it's working properly. So a case study um, is basically someone who is eating pretty a pretty good diet. They have their sugar handling under control. And then it turns out that digestion is a big issue there.
0: Excellent. So let's take some time and talk about why digestion um, can be different from other problems that we deal with. And you, you just kind of touched on it there. We need to take a step back and realize that everything we do around health, uh, it really comes down to two things. We know it's diet. There's some lifestyle, but we know primarily it's diet. And there's really two things we need to change in people's diet. If we just want to take this back to the basics. We need to get more nutrition into their diet. The standard American diet is very lacking in nutrients. And we need to get offending foods, toxins, non-foods, uh, inflammatory foods, processed We need to get all that crap out of the diet. And what we want left is real food with lots of nutrients. And we now understand that almost everything in health comes down to nutrients. Your body takes nutrients, builds things, creates processes, and, and that's how our body functions. And it's a pretty incredible machine, but if you feed it the wrong fuel long enough, you, you really get some nasty results, and, and we're seeing that all around us now. Obesity is rampant. Um, diseases, syndromes, conditions, there's so many I can't even keep track of them anymore. Every day I turn on the TV, there's some new drug that I've never heard of. The system is absolutely broken. It's a mess. People suffer from it every day. Uh, It's a horrible story, but the good news is it's actually pretty simple to fix. I said simple, not easy. It's not easy to live in our world today and eat a more paleo-based diet. We know there's a lot of obstacles to that. So it's not necessarily easy, but it's really simple. I mean, it really comes down to putting real nutritious food in your body. But then there's one more issue we came across. Pretty quickly uh, when we started practicing this and working with people, we realized, and it's, it's kind of a conundrum it's kind of like a catch-22 we need nutrients to fix the problems in our body the way that you get nutrients is by eating nutrient-dense food but your body has to be able to digest it and there are multiple steps in digestion we're going to talk about them and here's the conundrum If you don't have the nutrients in your body to be able to digest the nutrients you need, what do you do? I mean, this first step is broken. And like you mentioned, we can eat the most nutrient-dense food possible, but if we can't digest it properly and assimilate those nutrients, we're not going to get anywhere. So this is an area where we realized it's going to take more than just nutrient-dense food it's going to take something to jumpstart the process. You know, I, I, you and I were talking, and I think we used an analogy at one point of, uh, we like to use vehicle analogies because we're all familiar with vehicles around here, uh, and we deal with them every day. If you, you know, neglect a vehicle and the batteries go dead and the fuel gets contaminated and you go try to start that thing, It's going to be really really difficult it's not going to start you're going to need things like maybe starting fluid or you're going to have to clean out the tank and put a bunch of additives in the fuel now you're going to need an energy source and you're going to have to hook up jumper cables or you're going to need new batteries now once we get it started now you know we can work on fixing whatever problems but we had to we had to intervene and do things above and beyond to get it started That's kind of what's happening with the human body here. We've neglected it so long. It's been trying to operate without all the nutrients it needs. And it's in such bad shape that we need to go above and beyond in the beginning. And our focus is on digestion and it does require supplements. It's why we have multiple supplement kits around digestion, depending on what somebody's biggest digestive issue is. So we've got to go in, we've got to intervene. We've got to get digestion working properly so that we can get the nutrients on board and then we can start solving other health problems as well. How did I do there?
1: That's exactly, that's exactly the case. <laughs>
0: and that's this exactly is what you do every day.
1: The that we're call. Yes, correct. Every day. We typically have to start with digestion. There's, other symptoms going on, but until you fix the foundation, it, there's no need to even talk about the other symptoms that are going on, because as we found, and we find most of the time that when we work with digestion and you get that corrected, then a lot of those symptoms just seem to melt away. It's a pretty cool thing.
0: It really is. And, and you know, you work with the NutriQ every day, which I've talked about many times. I think it's just an incredible tool. Um, that the NTA created it, it's so powerful people don't have to leave their house they can do it right on their phone if they want doesn't require a doctor doesn't require trips to a clinic there's no blood draws and yet just by looking at a NutriQ uh, I'm sure you remember this I want to go back a little bit remember the first time that NutriQ was introduced to you and in, in when you were going through the training
1: Oh yeah. We had to do it. We weren't allowed to use a program. We had to do it all by hand and go through all the symptoms that, you know, one by one.
0: Yeah, which is awesome. I'm so glad they they forced us to do it that way because then you get an understanding of it. And then the software is a powerful tool, but I I always exactly. believe you should learn how to do things without the software thinking for you in the beginning so that you understand it. Yeah. yeah I remember looking at it that. And- the dive Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. It forces you to dive way deeper into each one of the questions. So the questions, most of the questions are regarding different symptoms that you could be feeling or experiences within the body. So it allows you to really learn and connect symptoms with, you know, an actual, um, you know, a part of the body that needs to be kind of prioritized if you have, you know,
0: Exactly. Well. Yes. Perfect. I can remember our first kind of introduction to the whole system was it, it was kind of, you had to go do this on your own. You had to go find a real human being who was willing to work with you and you had to do and analyze a NutriQ by hand, no software, no nothing. Um, like most projects like that, I procrastinated Um I I was in a panic at the last minute because I had a weekend to do it and had to find somebody. And to me at that point, it all looked so confusing. Um, And now you look at that NutriQ, and within seconds, you know exactly what somebody's health, what they're going through, you know what their day's like, you know what their problem is. And even better, you know how to fix it. That's such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still get excited about that you know how to fix it and you know how to improve somebody's health and make their daily lives better.
1: I agree. Absolutely. And you're right. When, when you take a look at the NutriQ, you get a really good idea. And that's why we, we always want to stress that you take your time when you take the NutriQ and you answer the questions, you know, as honestly as you can. And just it's not a difficult questionnaire, but it's something that you want to reflect on while you're, when you're answering this question. So we can get a really good, you know, truthful reading when it when we actually see the, the symptom burden graph that it
0: generates. You know, the other thing I've been noticing, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on the website, so I, I read a lot of what other people are saying. People ask me a lot of questions, uh, public and private. One of the patterns I started noticing, um, we talk about this a lot. Once somebody experiences how powerful food is. When when they make those changes in their diet, they lose the weight, they lose the aches and pains, they lose the symptoms, they drop the drugs. I mean, it, it really is life-changing. I mean, I don't, I don't think we can say that enough. It, it really is. Everything about our day really comes back to our health. If you don't feel good, you can't enjoy anything the way that you really should be. So, a very common thing, because I, I truly believe humans naturally want to help other humans. Uh, I, I think that's innate in most of us. And when we, when we experience something so powerful ourselves, you've heard it a thousand times, you experience it yourself, you and I have talked about it, you just want to help somebody else. You know, you start looking at people and go, wow, I, I could help them. And we know we can't force it on anybody. Um, I, I don't even know of any good strategies that, that work better. I just tell people, look, just try to be the best example as you can. Don't be obnoxious about it. Don't, don't, you know, try to shame people or push this on them too hard. Try to be a good example and hope they pick up on the lead. But I have found something that, that does work somewhat. And, you know, if you try to tell people about your diet, they freak out. What do you mean I can't eat grains? Grains are good for us. Healthy whole grains. All that bullshit we've been told forever. Oh, no, you can't eat all that fat. Salt's bad. It's all so wrong. And if you try to just Mm -hmm. talk to them about the diet, they will almost always shut down. It sounds extreme. It goes against everything they've been told their whole life. What I have found, though, that seems to work really well is... Either just recommend it, or actually sign somebody up for the NutriQ. They seem to accept that. They, it it I, it doesn't seem so threatening, maybe, or so weird. And then that gives you an opportunity to go through that NutriQ and point out sometimes how unhealthy people really are. And then you go through their list of medications. And sometimes I think at some point, you know, they're on five medications, and to them it seems normal. And when we can point out, look, none of this stuff is normal, might be common these days, but it's not normal, then there's a much better way. And here's some of the things we can do to fix this. So it, it's not perfect, but I, I think I see more people willing to go, you know, answer some questions about this and then. Maybe that opens them up to the next step. Maybe we can get them to change their diet a little bit. So, you know what, for people listening, if you haven't taken a nutriq and, do, and done a discovery call, do it. It's free. What do you have to lose? Um, we've put a lot of work into this system, and it works really well. Uh, you're really good at it. And if you want to help somebody else, a family member, a friend, Coworker, whoever, and they're not really open to listening about the diet. Most people aren't. Get them to do a NutriQ. I, I think it's a really good way to kind of introduce them into another way of looking at their health.
1: I agree. I absolutely do, especially if they are seeing a doctor and they know that they have. it's, it's interesting. If they know that they have issues with their thyroid or say kidney and bladder, that's a pretty Kidney and bladder one is pretty apparent. But their doctors telling them that they have these issues, and then they take this NutriQ, and it's just a bunch of questions. They're not really it doesn't talk about, you know, the kidney or the bladder right. specifically. Right. But they're answering these questions, not knowing that they these questions are symptoms that relate to these parts of the body. And then when I pull up the symptom burden graph and we go over it. It's very apparent that these symptoms that they are experiencing are related to these things, and a lot of the times it's symptoms that they didn't even recognize were a symptom. They just thought, "Oh, this is just you know a normal a normal thing of life." You know, it's, I just have to wake up several times in the evening, you know, while I'm sleeping to go use the bathroom and stuff like that. Well, it's really not that normal, um, so we should address it. So take the NutraQ and. We can see where, where you are and work one step at a time with the foundations and see if we can't get it turned around.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the questions that comes to mind, and, there, and there's a lot of them. You look at the question, and I can remember looking at them the first time going, what does this have to do with anything? And you're right. It, it's not, <laughs> we're not asking you a question specifically about your kidneys. Or, but one of them, well, there are several that you think, well, what could that possibly mean? The one that always stuck out to me because I experienced it before I changed my diet. One of the questions, and I don't I probably won't get it exactly right, but it, are, are you sensitive to sunlight? Your eyes. like, And that was me. Man, if I would walk outside and try talking to somebody sometimes, I, I felt like a freak because I couldn't open my eyes. I was squinting. I had to look away from the sun. And I, I thought, well, maybe I need sunglasses. Well, come on. We lived for a million years without sunglasses. That, that's obviously not the answer. Why were my eyes so sensitive to sunlight? There's a clear nutritional reason. I'm not gonna tell anybody what it is. Um, go take the NutriQ and we'll explain all of them to you if you want. But all of these questions and some of them are bizarre. The first time I read the question, are you losing the outer third of your eyebrows? Like what? What the hell is that? <laughs> but now I walk around and look at people and go, Oh, they have a thyroid issue. I can look at them and see. Yeah. It.
1: I know it's pretty funny. I, I do the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of bizarre, but, but that's what I mean. It's so powerful when, when you realize how spot on this stuff is and it, it guides us right to what we need to, to fix for people. So Highly encourage people to go do it. This is an awesome process. We're proud of what we've put together. We love the fact that we can offer that first part of it free. And many times that's all people need. It, and I love that. I love the fact that it cost them nothing. And we made such major changes in their health. So let's, um, before we get to the case, um, I'll start on the digestive process. Uh, I can get pretty wordy when I do this and I may forget stuff. So jump in and interrupt me if you think of something as I go through this. We want people to understand how digestion works. And and before I do that, I do want to go back to another point. One of the things that I think we do a lot differently um than doctors or traditional medicine. We do a lot of things very differently. But one of the things we do that when I was doing one-on-ones, I realized how powerful it was. I'm sure you do too. Doctors today, and I'm not blaming the doctors, I'm blaming the system. They have no time to spend with patients whatsoever. So if you go in and you have a gallbladder issue, you've know you had gallstones, your gallbladder hurts, uh, you're not digesting fats well, You finally go to the doctor for it. The doctor says, oh, you've got gallstones. Um, They look like they're too bad to really um, do anything with. We're going to take out your gallbladder. And that's the end of the conversation. Most people have no idea what their gallbladder even does. And the fact that doctors think we can just take it out and you won't suffer any negative consequences from that is almost criminal to me. One of the things we do is we just explain to people in in everyday language how these things work in our body and i'm i'm always you know encouraged a little bit shocked that when you explain some of these things to people they get it they understand it it's never been explained to them before doctors never seem to explain to people why they need to be on ppis for 20 years but when we explain how stomach acid works and why they don't have too much stomach acid or too strong, it's the opposite. And the, the cure from the doctors is destroying their health, but nobody ever explained that to them. And I find that if you can explain these, how these processes work in everyday terms and people can understand it, then it starts to make more sense how we can fix this with just food alone.
1: I agree. I mean, I wish I would have known my whole life how digestion works. Oh, I mean, I I come across people all the time who have no idea how digestion works.
0: Most people don't. They don't go into the details
1: when you study anatomy,
0: no. I'm not even sure if most doctors could describe it properly.
1: Yeah, I'd be... I'd be interested to know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure they know the basic mechanics of what happens. They know what each organ does. But, it, but like most things in medicine today, they don't seem to grasp the holistic part of it as much. You know, they know that this organ does this, but we tend to treat each organ separately, that's why we have specialists, and that's a big part of our, our problems in our healthcare system or our sick care system. Um, we have a doctor who only focuses on the kidneys, and all of his answers are going to be about the kidneys, but he doesn't understand that three other organs affected what the kidneys are doing. At, at some point, I hope he was taught that in medical school, but I kind of doubt it because they don't seem to operate that way at all. What we're about to do with digestion right now is we're going to describe the entire process of digestion. And I might as well just jump in right now. Digestion is a north to south process. The, and a lot of times if you ask people, where does digestion start? Some people would say in the stomach. Some people who understand a little more would probably say in the mouth. But the real answer is digestion starts in the brain. The other thing I want to get across to people before I go through the whole process is that it starts in the brain and it works down to the other end. We know where it ends. We'll talk about that. Any step of the process that gets compromised, starting in the brain, then compromises every step that follows. And that's important to understand. Every step of the process, if that step gets compromised, then every step after it is compromised. And that's why digestion can be somewhat complicated. It's why so many people today suffer from digestive disorders. How many people do you come across in in your life, just acquaintances, family, friends, whatever, who now have some sort of identifiable digestive issue?
1: Oh, a lot of people. Most people don't talk about it. And it's interesting. I'll run into people, even people that that call in for a discovery call, and they think their digestion is fine. But I look on, I dive deeper into their NutriQ and find out they're having less than one bowel movement a day. You guys, if you're having less than one bowel movement a day, you are not, that's not a good place to be in. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I ask them questions. Well, how often are you? Oh, maybe twice a week. That's definitely not a good healthy place to be.
0: Nope. Nope. The, the, the one exception we can throw in there, if you eat carnivore, the number may reduce (laughs) because you're not eating Mm -hmm. as much food and our body tends to digest and use so much of it. Um, if you're fasting, you know, you may have fewer, but really a good goal is at least once a day. I mean, that, that should be a good goal. And honestly, anybody who experiences that on a regular basis will tell you it feels a whole lot better when you live that way. When that's how your digestion works, oh, everything feels better. I agree. So north to south, if we compromise any step, every step after that is compromised. And on a very, very regular basis for most people, we compromise the first step almost every single time we eat. That is a big oh, problem yeah. in our society today. Uh, when you look at the way we used to eat meals, and and there are still some some countries in the world that still – have a lot of these customs. One of, and they're all changing, unfortunately. They're all following the lead of the United States. But um, one of the countries I've, I've always compared a lot of health statistics with is um, the French. And there's even this thing that, you know, they called the French paradox. Well, wait a minute. The French eat all kinds of butter and dairy and fatty meats and pâtés and... And yet they have almost no heart disease, way, way less than the United States. But they eat all these foods that we were always told gave you heart disease. Well, we called it a paradox because we couldn't explain it. It's not a paradox at all. It's just the obvious. Those are the foods that keep you healthy. Those foods aren't bad for your heart. They were never bad for your heart. So just the food they eat was what we were told gives you heart attacks. Turns out it's the exact opposite. It's not a paradox at all. But we never really focused much on the way they eat. They, meals are, are like somewhat scheduled. They're somewhat structured. It's a time that you get away from work and life and stress, and you sit down usually with other people, and you enjoy a relaxing meal of real food. And it's not just the food that matters. It's how you experience that food. Now, how does the typical American eat? On the run. We grab breakfast from a drive-thru and eat it while we're driving on the way to work. Very, very common. We run out at lunch Mm -hmm. and grab something quick. Um, Sometimes we don't even make it past the parking lot because there's a food truck out there. And we take it back to our desk and we eat while we work. Um, we, we don't stop to be grateful for the food we have and take a minute to relax and let our body get into the rest and digest mode. I mean, it's pretty significant that we, we call these two modes of our nervous system, fight or flight, or rest and digest. The, the term digestion is actually in the phrase, and most people don't get that. So we screw up the very first step in the process almost all the time, and then we wonder why our digestion is such a mess. Now we do 30 other things that's really bad for our digestion as well, but this is a big one. We do not take the time to stop, relax, How many cultures around the world have something along the lines of saying grace before you eat?
1: Pretty much every culture, I think, said some form of gave some form of gratitude before they ate.
0: Yeah, yeah. We 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 can even go back to where there were rituals. You know, we we killed an animal so that we could live. And we recognized that, we, we honored it, and we were grateful for it. We, we took a life so that we could live. That's how the world works. It's how the whole world works. But we are now so far removed from our food that if you told the average American, we're going to go out, we're going to kill an animal, and we're going to cut it up, and then we're going to eat it. Most of those people would be freaked out. They don't even want to think about stuff like, oh, no, we're not going to kill an animal. We get our groceries, you know, from the grocery store. Somebody killed that animal. And and we should get back to the point where we honor that. And we're grateful for that. And we understand where it came from. But a bigger part of all of these rituals, great gratitude is a big part. And gratitude is powerful. But the other part of it is very powerful. By taking this time to feel gratitude, I would venture to say it's next to impossible to feel gratitude while you're in fight or flight mode.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's been, it's been proven that it is the quickest way to put yourself in a parasympathetic state is gratitude.
0: Being grateful, saying grace It wasn't just something we made up. There was a reason for this. We may not have been able to explain the reason or even understand it, but we knew it was important and we did it. Some cultures still do it. We are probably the worst at this. We eat on the run. We eat when we're stressed. We eat when we're angry. We eat when we're sad. We eat eat all the time. That's another problem with Americans. We just eat all the damn time. So step number one, we've already figured out we, most of us screw it up most of the time. So the rest of our digestion is going to be compromised. So it's one of the things you can work on yourself. It's absolutely free. Um, We just explained it. All you need to do is just take a moment to be grateful. And, And that alone starts to put you in the rest and digest mode. Now, the next step in the north to south process is our mouth. Our mouth is part of our digestive system. Our mouth releases enzymes that digest food. Mostly the enzymes that are released in our mouth digest carbohydrates. Now, some people may say, well, we don't eat a lot of carbohydrates. It's not important. No, it's absolutely important. Those enzymes do need to be released. Most food has some carbohydrates in it, but it is also a signaling, chewing, is a signaling to the rest of our digestive system that food is on its way so it can start preparing the journey. It's one of the reasons we talk about we're not big on smoothies. We shouldn't be consuming a lot of our nutrients in a liquid form. That's not natural. Most, you know, as hunter-gatherers, about the only liquid we consumed was water. Maybe some herbal teas after a while, but coffee, you know, but, but we didn't really consume nutrients or calories that way. We ate our nutrients. So it's, it's really not good to drink your nutrients. That's why we don't talk a lot about smoothies. Now, I, I'm not saying once in a while, if you decide you want to have a smoothie and it's got, you know, pretty decent ingredients, it's not going to hurt you. It shouldn't be a regular part of your diet. And, you know, I talked earlier about all these diet plans with all the garbage food. And, you know, even if they do work and you lose a lot of weight, you basically you're stuck eating that food the rest of your life if you could. Uh, and that's why most of these things don't work. But almost all of those are big on smoothies and shakes. And part of it is because people... I, I actually saw one of the commercials I was paying attention to yesterday... I think it was a Nutrisystem. They made a big deal about their new deluxe meals. They're bigger. They have 30 grams of protein. Yeah, big deal. I can get all the protein I need. Um, but then they said, they keep you fuller longer, up to three hours. I'm thinking, three hours? My God, my, my NDK coffee keeps me satisfied longer than that. And then in fine print, the average was Up to three hours. The true average was two and a half. Think about that. We're, you know, if we can sleep eight hours a day, which most people don't anymore, that means you're still awake 16 hours a day. If your food only satisfies me for two and a half hours, how many times do I have to eat in a day? Seriously. (laughs) Nobody ever stops to question any of these things. So so then they have to throw in all these bars and shakes and smoothies because these people are eating all day long, which is horrible for our body and our health. Digestion is one of the most energy-intensive things we do, and we don't want to be digesting all day long or attempting to. So in the mouth, chewing... Releases some enzymes, and it's a signal to the rest of the system. The stomach starts producing stomach acid to get ready for it, which is the next step. Now, we chew the food. The more you chew your food. Should
1: we talk about the, the specific enzymes that are working in the mouth?
0: Yeah, yeah, jump in and do that. That'd be awesome.
1: Well, we have two main enzymes. You mentioned the one that breaks down carbs, that salivary amylase. And then there's one called lingual lipase, which breaks down some fat. So it actually does start breaking down a little bit of the fat in, in, the, in the mouth. So you have a mechanical component to, to the digest, digestion in the mouth as well as a chemical. So once that is, you know, once that's working and you're breaking down the foods, it's able to Really, your saliva then saturates these foods. They become a bolus. It's called a bolus. And that's when it slowly starts to go down your esophagus. So if it's not spending, you know, if you're not spending enough time chewing your food and mixing it with saliva, especially carbs and some of your fats, you're not going to be able to break them down properly. So keep that in mind next time you're, you know, you're eating something that they say about 20 bites. It's sufficient for, I, you know, for one, you know, 20 chews for one bite of food, which is quite excessive if you it's think
0: a about lot. it. It's a lot. And it's a lot. <laughs> I, and I, I, I have to be honest and transparent here, and I've said this before, I am horrible at this. Um, I, I am too. I, I'm going to blame it on the government. I don't remember eating as fast as I do. To, I, I eat way too fast. Um, I don't chew my food as well unless I stop myself and think about it, which I really, really try to do. Um, I don't remember eating this way until I was in the Army. There was something about basic training. We were so active. We were you know, up crazy early in the morning doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I was hungry all the time. I mean, starving all the time. And we didn't have much time to eat. And I just felt like I have to get so much food in during this meal. I was just wolfing food down. Now, I was only in basic training for a couple months, whatever the time limit is, I don't remember. Uh, But for some reason, that habit seems to have stuck with me. And I have to really fight against that. But it is a really, you will find that your digestion, if you just do that one thing, for a lot of people if they just stop to chew their food better they'll see improvements just from that alone
1: I definitely agree with you and I'm I have the same I have the same problem I, my problem is that I enjoy food when it's hot and if it's hot food and it gets cold I really just don't enjoy it as much so I find myself trying to get it all down before it gets cold <laughs> right so I've learned I've learned that I refuse to be the first person If there's a group of people serving themselves, I refuse to be the first person in line. I say, I I insist on everyone else serving themselves first because if it sits on my plate for too long, it just gets cold. And then I just can't enjoy it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now, I, I have, I either eat too fast, which I do most of the time, or it usually happens to me at events, conferences, things like that. We, I, I go out to dinner with people that I don't see a lot in person. I know them well. Maybe I've worked with them for years. The only time we see each other is when we're at events and then we go to dinner. If I go to dinner with two or three or four other people, I don't eat hardly at all because I, right. I I'm just the person that everybody wants to ask questions. I, I, that's just, I mean, it's what happens. It's what I do all day long. People ask me questions. So it doesn't even matter what the topic tends to be, although, you know, now it's a lot about health. But I end up talking the whole meal, and I look around and everybody else is done, and I still have 90% of the food on my plate, which is better than the alternative. You know, that's better for me to only eat 10% of the food than it is to wolf it all down like I do most of the time. So... Uh, it's just weird. I have one of the two extremes. So excellent explanation of what's happening chemically in our mouth. But you brought up something else and I'm glad you did. There's two processes happening in our mouth, chemical and mechanical our teeth and our jaws are crushing up the food, breaking it apart, making it easier to digest. That's why we should chew more. The longer we chew, the more of those enzymes get released so they start digesting the food before it even starts sliding down our throat. That's a good thing. But then you reminded me, and a lot of people don't realize this, though both of those processes all also happen in the stomach. There is a mechanical and a chemical process in the stomach itself. The chemicals are primarily uh, hydrochloric acid. There are some other things. And if you can remember them, you could jump in. I don't remember them all. Um, Primarily hydrochloric acid. Hydrochloric
1: acid and pepsin.
0: Mm -hmm. Pepsin. There you go. Yep.
1: And they create that churn and burn that goes on in the stomach. So the stomach is also, like you said, mechanically, moving things around kind of like, I think I, I like to think of the inside of a washing machine with chemicals in it. Imagine that. And if that's how you're breaking down the majority of your,
0: your protein, you know, that's actually a good analogy because soap works in the same way that a lot of our enzymes do. Mm-hmm. That is really saturation. a saturation. Yeah. That, that really is a, a good analogy. Um, And there is that mechanical component. Our stomach is actually flexing. And I I love that term. You use churn and burn. That's exactly what's happening down there. We're churning and burning.
1: It really is.
0: And Mm -hmm. so now in the medical world, we almost never identify or talk about the first two steps in digestion. Have you ever had a doctor explain that to you? No, uh, no, no. So in the (laughs) medical world, it it almost seems like digestion starts in the stomach. That's where they start looking at it first. And even though Mm -hmm. I have had, uh, I had digestive issues most of my life as a young child um, in kindergarten, I was the only kid that didn't get milk. Um, I brought grape juice. Not that that was great for my health, but um, they thought my digestive issues was that I was lactose intolerant. That was an incorrect guess. Um, That wasn't it. But I had to miss out on chocolate milk Tuesday every week. That was traumatic. (laughs) So by fourth grade, my digestive issues were so bad that I ended up in the hospital for a week. They ran every test they could possibly think of. I do remember that was probably the first time I heard the word colitis. They said I had colitis. Mm -hmm. Um, Today we have ulcerative colitis. Um, So they put me on a low-fat, low, what else would it, low-salt, very, very bland diet, and a bunch of fiber I used to have to put this nasty fiber stuff in water that was just awful. And honestly, none of it did any good. Um, I I had digestive issues. I basically had them until I changed the way I ate. My digestion really never worked correctly my whole life. Um, So I've been through all those tests, but not once was anything ever discussed about, you know, The brain, the mouth, chewing, none of that stuff. Um, And nothing they did helped. And it turns out, you know, I was able to help myself so much better. Now, um, my favorite phrase when it comes to digestion is, I don't know I have a digestive system. I, I think there are very few people that can say that. Almost everybody today eating the standard American diet knows they absolutely have a digestive system. They feel many parts of it, and it's not comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: they eat and they but feel a lot
1: of them think it's normal what they're feeling. Correct.
0: Yeah, and the word we should use is it is common. What you're feeling. Your spouse probably yeah, feels common. it. Your kids probably feel it. Your friends feel it. Your coworkers feel it. So it, it becomes common. It's not normal though. Normal is what we experience. I, I don't know. I don't realize my body's digesting food. There's no sense of it. There's no feeling. I eat, I get energy, I I poop, I feel great. Everything works the way it's supposed to. So after 50 years of not having that, I'm pretty excited about my digestion these days. It's really nice to have it work the way it's supposed to. So now the food hits our stomach. This is where the medical system believes that digestion starts, we know better. What we really need here is Lots of good, strong stomach acid. Your stomach acid should be strong enough to dissolve metal. And, and that's not, I mean that. That's not tongue-in-cheek. That's not sarcastic. That's how powerful your stomach acid should be. It should be able to dissolve metal. It should be a very, very low pH. When we start to see digestive issues, and I'll ask you, how many people people do you deal with on discovery calls and one-on-ones that are on some sort of an anacid or a PPI?
1: A lot, luckily a lot of people listen to you so they know to stay away from them at all costs, but I still come across quite a few and you know in my everyday life I come across way more. People who just have no idea what the ramifications are for taking of, you know, a PPI or any kind of over-the-counter, you know, acid reducer.
0: I just experienced this. common. Yeah, it, it is so common. Not normal, very, very common. Um, the commercials are all over mm-hmm. TV, you know, antacids and PPIs are, you know, multi-multi-billion-dollar drugs, um, both over-the-counter and prescription. I, I just had a, an experience with this in real life. Um one of my best friends in high school, we almost went into the army together on the buddy plan. Um, There's a long story to it. It's kind of funny. Maybe I'll tell it one of these days. I don't know. Um, It was his idea. And I've talked about how bad the economy was when I graduated in the early eighties, there were no jobs, but I actually had two businesses. I was painting cars. Um, I had a garage set up at home. I was painting cars, making excellent money doing that. I took the money that I made from painting cars and I opened a gym when I was, before I was 19, the gym opened. Um, So I I wasn't really worried about the economy. I had money. Um, I I thought I had the world by the tail. Um, He convinced me we should go in the army and I decided, yeah, you know what? I'm doing okay. I don't need to, but it sounds like fun. I'd like to travel. I never went on vacation as a kid, never went anywhere. So I wanted to travel, and I thought, well, this is an easy way to do it, and do I really want to be stuck here, you know, owning this gym for the next 30 years, or should I go live a little first? And so he convinced me, and then I realized I wanted to go fly helicopters, but during the whole processing, (laughs) we got separated, and by the end of the day, I had already signed up and he didn't. So I ended up going in, the guy who didn't really need to, um, and he didn't. So it was kind of funny, but things work out the way they're supposed to. Uh, I did not see him for, oh, let me think. I, I When I got out of the military, I went back to Ohio for about a year. I would have been 23, so 30-plus years. I did not see him, didn't talk to him. Um, when I was back in Ohio recently, um, I got in contact with him and he came out and we hung out for a day and another friend came. It was kind of funny too. It was almost like those 30 years, it, it was just like we just, you know, clicked again. It was, wasn't like we were strangers at all, even though technically we were. It was a really enjoyable day. But part of the, the thing that, you know, it was, it was hard for me. Because I remember him in high school. He had heartburn in high school, horrendous heartburn. I remember it was a big problem for him. And it turns out he still has it. He's been on PPIs his whole life. And, you know, when no. I saw him, he looks healthy. He's not thin. Or, I mean, he's not overweight. He's actually thin, probably thinner than he was in high school. And he, he actually looks good. And I, I mentioned it. He said, yeah, I said, um, it's not as good as it looks. He said, I'm only like this because I can't eat. He said, my stomach is such a mess. He says, there's so many foods I just will not touch. He said, I, I just don't eat much because uh, it, it's just too uncomfortable.
1: Wow. I mean, I've heard about, about you know people who are just so nutrient deficient because they don't have sufficient amounts of hydrochloric acid that their body is creating to break down their foods. But I didn't really think about the like further down the line, the ramifications, if the foods have to keep going because they can't stay there forever. I mean, they have to continue down the digestive path. So what exactly happens? Yeah. I I can only imagine
0: fermentation. (laughs) You know, I, I, when it dawned on me what he just said, that his whole life he suffered from this. Ah. And, and he, we, we were, the other friend that was there is actually a, a French-trained chef. He, that's what he's done his whole life. So obviously he's a foodie, I'm a foodie. We're talking about food. And my other friend said, yeah, I, I you know, I get to think about that stuff, but I can't eat it. And, and I thought to myself, oh, and I, I looked at him and I said, Ron, I can fix this in a heartbeat. And he said, what? And I said, it's really not that hard. I said, it, it's going to be a little difficult for you. It's going to be, take a little longer than we normally are able to fix it because you've been on PPIs for so long. But this is absolutely <laughs> fixable. Uh, it, and I, it just dawned on me, so many people suffer for so many years, and it's so unnecessary. It really is. So I'm not going to go too deep into what causes that. It's the opposite of what the doctors tell you. acids and PPIs are the worst thing we could do. We do not want to lower the amount of stomach acid we have. We don't want to weaken or neutralize that stomach acid. We want to do the opposite. We need to get the proper nutrients into somebody's body so that their body produces more hydrochloric acid and produces stronger hydrochloric acid. That's what will fix heartburn and GERD and all those other things. So now, if all three of these steps have worked right, which haven't we really identified for a vast majority of the population, the first three steps are all compromised oh yeah it's a it's a wonder our digestion works at all so we've for most people we've already compromised the first three steps, which means the rest of it is is already compromised. so when it leaves the stomach, the next set of organs uh we can kind of group these together are liver, gallbladder, mm-hmm. and pancreas, so the liver produces um bile. Uh, we, bile. Ref- we refer to, you know, a supplement as bile salts because it is a different form of bile than what the body produces, but it's close. The body produce the liver produces bile. The gallbladder stores the bile. And the best analogy I've used with this crowd is the, the liver is producing the fuel the bile the gallbladder stores it and injects it when it needs to when when there is fat present the gallbladder signaled it releases the bile the bile works like soap it kind of starts to break apart the fat so that it becomes easier to digest with the enzymes and other things the gallbladder is like the fuel injector in a truck it knows exactly when to inject the fuel if it injects it at the wrong time, it doesn't work. So it's gotta be injected the right amount at the right time. And our body, when it's healthy and has the right nutrients, does this beautifully. We don't even know it's happening. If we Yeah, eat, and
1: you know what's interesting?
0: Yeah, jump in there.
1: So I realized today, earlier today, when I was doing a little bit of research that I did not know that the body makes a leader Roughly a liter of bile a day. I didn't that's know that either.
0: That's a lot.
1: That is a lot of bile. Wow. So when I thought about that, I was wondering, okay, so, so then you have a gall, you have a gallbladder that's been removed. And we know that when the gallbladder is removed, the liver still produces bile. It's just coming out at a small drip. It's like a, a leaky faucet Yeah, kind of, kind of deal. And so, now, bile, you know, has to be somewhat acidic so to break down those, those fats and emulsify those fats for, um, for absorption. And then the pancreas, I mean, we haven't gone to the pancreas yet, but the pancreatic juices are more alkaline and therefore they are used to kind of um, make it so that it's safer for these things, for this digestive... I mean, I think at that point, um, it's no longer a bolus. It's considered something else, but it's more of a liquid form and it travels through your, your small intestines. It continues down the track. So if you are slow dripping bile, a liter of bile a day, how could your pancreas know and keep up with the amount of, of you know, enzymes to neutralize that? I never thought about that until today.
0: Good point. And it's why when people lose their gallbladder, you almost always hear them talk about irritated digestion, more pain, more discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you just described why. And the other problem that's created when doctors just, you know, rip out body parts and act like they're spares and we don't need them. um, When you do need enough bile to break down fat, it's not available. Exactly. So you have too much all the time, not enough when you really need it. But doctors never yep. explain this to people. And there is a simple—I'm not going to call it a fix—but there's a simple supplement we can take that at least makes it better. Bile salts. We we mm-hmm. recommend them. Al- we recommend them for everybody who's had their gallbladder removed. We sometimes even recommend them for people who just have a sluggish gallbladder and we need to jumpstart it, which is just about everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not perfect, but instead of counting on your gallbladder to release the proper amount of bile, and it can't because it's gone, we can take bile salts with our meals and over time, you can kind of learn how to regulate it. You know, you might need one, bile salt capsule if you are eating a very small meal that doesn't have a lot of fat. If you're eating a heavy meal with a lot of fat, you might need four or five, depending on the strength. And over time, you learn how to kind of manage that. You still have to deal with the fact that, you know, your, your body's dripping bile into your digestive tract all day long, and there's not a lot we can do about that. So we can help you, but you, once you let them cut out parts of your body, you will always be compromised. We, we can help. We can't mm-hmm. fix it completely. So now we're at the point, the liver produced bile, our gallbladder, hopefully we still have it, releases the correct amount. So it starts to break down those fats. Now it moves to the pancreas, which releases a lot of the enzymes, the pancreatic enzymes that further break down food. And then you brought up another good point. I'm glad you did. I would have forgot this part. It also alkalizes that solution now so that it's not so acidic as it's traveling through the rest of our digestive tract. The next step from here would be the small intestine. And I'll talk about what happens there and what can go wrong there. But you and I got talking about something yesterday dealing with the pancreas Um, The first time I heard this Mm -hmm. commercial, I laughed. Um, Not because I think it's funny, but because it's so sad, I have to laugh uh, because I don't want to be sad all the time. Um, Explain what what this new term is. I, I just heard this for the first time maybe a month ago. And as soon as I heard the term, I knew exactly what they were talking about. We deal with it all the time. It's not even that hard of a problem to solve, and yet... They have a new drug, so so what's our new condition, disease, syndrome, whatever you want to call it?
1: It's called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or
0: EPI. I. That's the term they gave it. I don't know. I should know this. What does the word exocrine mean?
1: Well, exocrine as opposed as opposed to endocrine so exocrine is just the way that uh, I don't know the exact the exact um definition but uh, the pancreas acts as an exocrine and an endocrine like in in both ways but for this particular thing when it's producing digestive enzymes the function is an exocrine function so let me see real quick
0: yeah, I'll, define I'll, it. I'll explain the other parts of this that I did understand, and I keep meaning to go look up this word so I understand it better. But it's not necessary. As soon as I heard the term, the other two mm. words gave me enough of a clue. I know how to fix this. When they're talking about pancreatic insufficiency, what they're really saying is the pancreas isn't producing or releasing enough enzymes to break down your food properly. And if you don't, you're going to have digestive mm-hmm. issues. Um, I, I, didn't need to know why it's not exocrine, endocrine, whatever. I know why it's not because your body doesn't have the right nutrients to build those, those chemicals and, and what's needed. It, it's just like everything else we deal with. So I, I should understand that word and I, I will go figure it out, but it's really not necessary well, I have it to- here. Oh, okay, good. Go ahead
1: so 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 my understanding well i'll just read it to you real quick so it's relating to exocrine is relating to glands that secrete their products through ducts opening into onto an epithelium rather than directly into the bloodstream
0: got so it. endocrine
1: okay. would be in the bloodstream and exocrine isn't in the blood and not in the bloodstream yet
0: got it so um the liver-producing bile and delivering it to the gallbladder would be exocrine because there's a bile duct. Exactly. Okay, got it. I got that. Okay, that makes total sense, and you're right. I, I, I'm right. I didn't need to know that. Uh, as soon as I heard pancreatic <laughs> insufficiency, uh, it, it's similar mm-hmm. to, you know, we could say we have stomach insufficiency. Most people's stomach doesn't produce enough stomach acid because they don't have the right nutrients to do it. No different here, the the pancreas isn't producing enough of these enzymes because it doesn't have the nutrients it needs. Um, what's the drug we're supposed to take to solve this?
1: <laughs> that we're jumping ahead. We're this is our case study. Um, oh, okay. Creon is
0: the name. Okay, the drug. we'll we'll stop there then, because um, you're right. Okay, that, that's a good part of the case study itself. So of course they now it, have a it is. they now have a name and they have a drug. An thing. Yep. We have a name and we have a drug. Now me Go ahead.
1: Meanwhile the pancreas you know is its job its exocrine job is to create bicarbonate like similar to baking soda which is very alkaline to help Take that stomach acid to a more alkaline level so it doesn't burn your small intestines as it passes through. And then it also, there are so many enzymes that we could name, but the top three, the most important ones to really know, are um, protease, which breaks down protein, amylase, which breaks down carbs, and lipase, which breaks down fats. So we'll keep it at the macronutrient level here to keep it simple. But those are really important pancreatic juices, um, enzymes that are released by the pancreas for for digestion. Excellent. Oh, and this also happens specifically in the duodenum, which is a fancy term for the, the upper portion of your small intestine. So ideally this would be happening only in the duodenum, and not late like further down, you know, the small intestine. Because the small intestines are, are really, really long. I think I want to say they're about half the, the length of a tennis court. But that's what uh that's what I've read in the past or heard in the past. But most of the of the job, the role of the small intestine is for absorption. So all of these things should already be well broken down before they reach the small intestine.
0: Excellent point. And that was the point I was about to make. So thank you. That was perfect. The next step in the process, if everything worked correctly, your brain, your mouth, your stomach, your liver, your gallbladder, your pancreas, the food is now totally broken down into the components that our body can now use. Proteins are broken down. We, carbohydrates. Oh, go ahead
1: with the exception of your fibrous foods that travel all the way to the large intestine. Uh,
0: good point. Excellent point. Um, there are things we eat that our body can't break down. Our body can't digest, can't absorb. Uh, we've talked about resistant starch, certain types of fiber. Um, it, it, it has a purpose, but we're not really digesting it. At this point, it's still intact and whole. Um, all the other stuff... Proteins, carbohydrates, fats, they've been broken down chemically and mechanically to the point that now our body can absorb them and get them where they need to be. And the way we absorb them is through our small intestine. And that is the role Mm -hmm. of the small intestine. It's why it's so long, takes a lot of time as the food travels through there to pull the nutrients out, get it where it needs to be. Um, This is also the next two steps, the small intestine, the large intestine, is where we can start to see problems like leaky gut. So we've talked about all the other Mm -hmm. problems. The small intestine, one of the biggest problems we can encounter here is leaky gut. And that is caused by the fact that our food wasn't properly digested at this point. And we yeah. have components in our food that create leaky gut. The biggest one being gluten. Gluten, gliadin, some of the other proteins. We know that they, the, the lining of your intestine should be a really, really tight weave that nothing can get through unless the body identifies it and allows it to. You have like gatekeepers, and you know the gatekeeper looks at the nutrient or whatever it might be and says, yes, we need that, opens the door, lets it into the bloodstream. Because of our diet, <laughs> gluten, and all these other things, um, the gatekeepers might still be there, but there are holes in the wall now. And all kinds of things get through, big pieces of undigested food, proteins that shouldn't be in our bloodstream. And when that happens, those are technically invaders. They do not belong in our bloodstream. Leaky gut allowed them to get there. Gluten and other grains and problems in our diet created the leaky gut that allowed this to happen. But then our immune system sees those things. And it attacks them because they should not be there. The problem comes in when many of those proteins look so similar to components of our own body. You may have a protein or or an an offender that got through the leaky gut into the bloodstream and the body can't tell the difference between that component and a part of your thyroid, for example. So now... It attacked this foreign invader that got into your bloodstream through leaky gut. Now it starts looking around the body to find more of it because it's got to get rid of it. And it sees part of the thyroid. Oh, that looks just like that thing I just attacked. And it attacks your thyroid. That's what autoimmune is. It may ta- attack your pancreas, it may attack your joints, it may attack your skin. It, I mean, we have over a hundred autoimmune conditions now, but they're all basically the same. They all started the same way. The mechanism is the same. Our immune system is attacking our own body because of foreign invaders that got through leaky gut. They look like these other proteins in our body. And we now know that Leaky gut is rampant, and so is autoimmune conditions. So that's one of the big problems that can go wrong here. The other problem that can go wrong here is when you get undigested food in the small intestine, you can also get bacteria that start to make their way up there that shouldn't be there. And if you had good digestion that bacteria would never live there. Even if it found its way there, it wouldn't live. There would be nothing for it to feed on. But because your digestion is compromised, there is now food available in your small intestine for bacteria. So if the bacteria make their way up there where they're not supposed to be, they now have food. And when they start eating that food, they ferment it. And fermentation causes gas and pressure and pain and bloating. We refer to it as SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it is very uncomfortable. It causes health issues. And again, a lot of people, they almost think it's normal that when they eat, they feel like this. That's not normal at all. You shouldn't feel any of that. Like I said, you, sh- you shouldn't know you have a digestive system. But, but SIBO is another one we deal with. Fortunately, we have a great supplement. It's one supplement that's really effective at it a lot of times. Um, SIBO is recognized by the medical community. Leaky gut really isn't. The medical community still does not want to really admit that leaky gut even exists. Um, SIBO, they finally recognized it. Their answer is Antibiotics. And it actually works. The antibiotics will kill the bacteria. The odds are it's going to come back because we haven't addressed the root cause. Oh, yeah. All the same issues are still there. It will come back. Sometimes it comes back worse. We kill so much bacteria <laughs> that we, we, now it's an open field, and sometimes the worst bacteria will come back first and grow. Um, there are natural ways of curing SIBO, uh, several, and we're actually pretty darn good at it. Uh, The next step in the journey is the large intestine. Um, The large intestine is where we absorb most of the water, right?
1: Yes. And that's like you mentioned, the resistant starches and fibers remain intact and move all the way to the large intestine where they become food for your microbiome, you know, your microbiome basically. And it's also what forms your feces. So which, You know, that reminds me of what you said earlier about if you are on the carnivore diet, sometimes you don't go every single day. Um, And then our microbiome, the microbes in our microbiome, they create and make certain vitamins that are really important, um, like vitamin K2 and B vitamins. So um, and also short chain fatty acids. And yep. Exactly.
0: So this, it's really important.
1: Oh, serotonin
0: as well. Oh yeah. I, this is probably the most fascinating part of the whole thing for me and we don't even Same. really, yeah, <laughs> we don't even really get this. That's why it's probably so fascinating because I know there's so much more to learn. Um, it, I, I've oh, talked yeah. about this many times. It still just kind of blows my mind that, 80% of our immune system is in our gut, 80%. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the bacteria, wow. the, the living things that are in our large intestine that train our immune system. It, it basically is our immune system. It's there, and it's not even us. It's really not our immune system. It, it's the bacteria that are along for the ride. We would die without them. But it, like you said, mm-hmm. it makes vitamins wow, that's pretty incredible. It, this, these living things that inhabit our large intestine actually make vitamins that are really good for us. Or, or yeah. if we have the wrong bacteria, they don't make those vitamins. And we need them, and now we don't have them. Um, butyrate. There are a couple ways you can get butyrate. One, butter, real butter. Um, which we Mm -hmm. stopped eating because we were told it gave us heart attacks. we went to margarine. Margarine doesn't create butyrate. Margarine creates a bunch of problems. Now, if you have altered gut bacteria, it's not creating butyrate either. Butyrate is actually one of the components that keeps your digestive system really healthy. It helps that lining and it keeps those junctures nice and tight. But the standard American diet, we're very, very lacking in butyrate. Most people don't even know what it is. We don't talk about butyrate, but it's been severely compromised in the standard American diet. Eat enough butter, get good healthy gut bacteria. Now you have plenty of K2, you have plenty of butyrate. We also know that these microbes also produce about 80% of our neurotransmitters. You mentioned serotonin. melatonin, um, all the chemicals they talk about in our brain that they claim we get an imbalance of, and we do, but their answer is to give you some drug that, boy, we could do a whole show on, on those drugs uh, and that whole situation. Here's one of the things I just want to point out for people when it comes to mental health drugs. Just look at the history and the pattern. Watch the commercials. They, when they first brought out a lot of these drugs, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, there's a mouthful, um, people thought these were miracle drugs. Oh, take this, you'll feel better. Yeah, maybe you do for a little bit. They don't have a very good track record when you really get down to it, though. But once people start on these, do you find this in one-on-ones? I did. If I had to address some sort of a mental health drug like an SSRI for depression or anxiety or whatever it might be people almost panic when you ask them to, to, to consider stop taking those drugs. Do you, do you see that? Oh, of course I definitely see it. And I understand why to a certain extent,
1: but what I find more interesting is one of their top concerns that they're coming to me to discuss is that is, you know, the reason that they're on it. So if they're have anxiety or depression, so that tells me that it's not working and they're still on it. And they (laughs) that's, that's more mind boggling to me is that they're staying on a drug. That's not working. They're not getting the benefits from it, which doesn't make any sense to
0: me. Yeah. So now all you have to do is watch, watch TV again, because now you'll see that there are add on treatments. If, you're, if your if oh. your antidepressant isn't working properly, just add Vralar or whatever the latest miracle drug. Well, wait a minute. When I watched the other commercial, you told me the first drug was going to fix this. Now you're telling me the first drug okay. didn't fix it, and I need to. I'm not getting rid of the first drug. I have to keep taking that one. I have to add a second drug on. Maybe that will help. My the second drug improves your depression by sixty five percent. Why is there 65% left to improve? What what the hell is the first drug doing? Wow, I haven't seen those commercials yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, go go research fun. this. Add-ons to antidepressants. Go go look at it. There are a bunch Perfect. of them on the market. Backing. Now, it gets worse though. Wow. It gets worse. If you take those two drugs, and there are several different combinations, if you take those two, you are now likely to get a disease that you can only get by taking those two drugs. It's called tardive dyskinesia. Look that one up. Tardive dyskinesia. Here's what it is. When you're on these mental health drugs, you develop this condition, disease, syndrome, whatever it is called tardive dyskinesia. You have uncontrolled body movements. They tend to mm-hmm. be in your face and your hands. So people can no longer control the movement of their face. It just contorts out of the blue for no apparent reason. Grimacing,
1: sticking out the tongue, or smacking of the lips are the three top. Doesn't
0: movements. that sound enjoyable? I'm trying to talk to you and my lips are smacking and my eyes are blinking over and over and my cheeks are twitching and I just dropped whatever I was holding because I no longer have control of my hand. But don't worry. We have a drug for this.
1: Wow. This is my first time hearing of this. Wow.
0: And if you listen closely in the commercial, those uncontrolled body movements may be permanent.
1: Oh, really? Even if you come off the drug? Yep. Wow. Okay.
0: So now we're on three drugs and they're still depressed. They're probably more depressed now because they make faces at everybody and it's pretty embarrassing.
1: (laughs) I can't imagine being okay with that myself, but,
0: you know, to each their own. But now we know that we can't really affect our neurotransmitters with a drug doesn't work. We see the outcome is horrendous. What we can do though, is we can improve our gut bacteria and our mood gets better because 80% of the neurotransmitters are, are manufactured by our gut bacteria. If we have the wrong gut bacteria, we refer to it as dysbiosis. We won't produce the proper chemicals. We will be depressed and anxious and suicidal and bipolar and uh, all of these other crazy things that they, you know, will give us a whole medicine cabinet full of drugs for that won't work. And really it's just diet. Just, just feed your gut bacteria the way we know you should. And all of these things improve. It's just, One more thing that people suffer so needlessly from that can actually just be fixed with food.
1: Yeah. I'm really interested to see, you know, to keep following all of this research that's going on with the microbiome and the different microbes that, that exist and they're doing fecal transplants now and they're, it's, it's amazing information when you, when you hear that, your personality could completely change when you have a different grouping of of bacteria that, that's living inside of you. That's just, that's mind-blowing to me. And it's really exciting because they're finding out, you know, there's a ton of research going on out there regarding this. And it's, I think there's, it's just, it's like going to space. There's so much yet to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you know, here's a good example of it. Um, all the talk of yogurt, all the research and work that Dr. Davis has done, when we talk about the L-Ruderi yogurt, one of the most powerful features of that yogurt is it increases two hormones, oxytocin and testosterone. You, you increase those two, you will change your personality.
1: Wow, that's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible that we're finally learning how we can actually manipulate this and, and make improvements, and, and there's a lot to learn. I'm excited about that. So, boy, we've been talking a lot. Let's, um, l- let's jump in. Give us, give us our case study for today, because we, we kind of finished the digestion. Okay. You know, the, all that's left is well, the elimination yeah. part, and we hope that that's all working well and the way it's supposed to. And if you fix all those other steps, it'll work exactly the way it's supposed to. And the good news is we do understand all of these issues and we can fix these. There's not a one of these we can't fix. Now, if you've had some sort of digestive surgery, whether it's a gastric sleeve, a weight loss surgery, you lost your gallbladder, um, any of those things, we can help. We can't make it perfect anymore. We can make it a whole lot better. But in order to get your digestion working the way it's supposed to, we need all of the parts still there. So I, I always want to remind people of that. Do not let them take out a body part unless they tell you you're going to die if we don't do this.
1: Yeah. I wish, I wish people, you know, I wish people would have come to us before they had a serious, you know, body part or reconstruction of the digestive system done because, and like I said, Kevin, I still think we should get you know, a gastroenterologist on the show to find out how we can specifically help some of these people with these bypasses or or whatever kind of surgery they've had. Because when you start bypassing certain parts, like for instance, some of these surgeries are connecting your stomach directly to your large intestine. That means that it's skipping the the small intestine, which is a half a tennis court long, where all your absorption is taking place. So at that point, I don't even know that we can help someone absorb, you know, absorb nutrients. What we can do is, you know, kind of figure out ways and and help them come up with ways to really cook down their foods, um, their nutrient-dense foods to make sure that they're pre-digested in a way before they they make their way through and yeah, supplement a lot of supplementation for those people. But for the most part, eating a normal diet is just not going to be a recommendation that I, that I can possibly give these people.
0: No, no, you're so right. It'll I, be
1: interesting yeah. to get a professional on
0: yeah. regarding that. And I'm glad you reminded me and I'm so bad at this. Even if I make a note, the note might not get to the person it belongs to um, reach out to Lisa um, we have a gastroenterologist that is amazing. He's a very traditionally trained, he still works as a pretty traditionally trained gastroenterologist, but he also understands all the stuff we just talk about. He promotes it, he gets it, um, we'll get him back on, just, just reach out to Lisa and she'll know who it is. And if she doesn't, she'll come to me. Um, uh, but we'll get him back on because we, we've had him on the show three or four times over the years and he's been excellent at helping us with these kind of issues. That would be great.
1: Yes. And sometimes sometimes people are getting something removed because of cancer. You know, they they don't they're not opting to do this on their own. True. And I've had a client that came to me, you know, that had cancer. I forgot, I want to say it was pancreas. And he had to have his pancreas removed or something, one of the organs. And I just, I, I was at a loss cause at this point, at that point, I just really don't know. I, the last thing I want to do is make it, make it harder for them or more difficult or more uncomfortable for them. So having a professional who specializes in this would be really great. I want to learn more about it. So good.
0: good. I will reach you, out to Lisa about that. Perfect. All right. Our case study.
1: Case study. Okay, we have a 63-year-old woman whose main concerns are exocrine, pancreatic insufficiency, like we mentioned earlier, autoimmune disease, and fatigue. So after looking through her initial, initial, you know, Interview. I have a few reveals. She's been low carb for a year. Her stress is at a seven, and she took antibiotics in December.
0: Ooh. Um.
1: Her food. Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I just, I just said, ooh, that's a. Uh, oh yeah. Kind of a perfect storm for um, all the things she's suffering from. The one that people might not realize is absolutely tied into all the rest of this is fatigue fatigue is a Mm -hmm. lack of energy. Where do we get our energy from food in order to get that energy? You have to be able to digest it. Right. So it's no surprise that she's suffering from fatigue. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So food
1: findings, um, she didn't put, she didn't give me a ton of information, but some eggs, coffee, fruit and eggs and coffee in the morning, fruit, and nuts, salads, and grilled chicken when she typically has her salad, and then her NutriQ reveals
0: so a let, lot. Let me so, let me jump in because one mm-hmm. of the things that we do when we have a case, any case, all of these, um, we're kind of like detectives, like troubleshooters. You you look for those clues, and it, this mm-hmm. may seem like a really minor thing, but when I hear grilled chicken my mind mm-hmm. immediately thinks low fat. That's the only reason people I eat heard. boneless, skinless chicken grilled because there's no fat involved. And it, it, I can just about predict with certainty that many of her digestive issues have stemmed from the fact that she ate low fat too long.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah that is a very good indicator that that could very well be the case. So, and I agree, because when you grill chicken, you're actually giving it flavor because the grill gives it a lot more flavor than, it, you know, and it's kind of like replacing the, the flavor that would come on the skin and so, the natural fats of the chicken. So,
0: so think, that, that think about this sense. for a second, because in my mm-hmm. mind, I still have to overcome this thought process. When, when you hear somebody had, grilled chicken and a salad for lunch doesn't that sound outrageously healthy yes
1: it sounds healthy
0: and it's not it doesn't have
1: to be healthy
0: <laughs> right it, 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 could be, it, it could be the cause of her problems eating that way too long we, we've been so brainwashed into thinking salads are the ultimate health food and they're just not
1: I agree. And I mean, usually when I have someone mention salads, I highlight it in red and always address the salad dressing thing. And, you know, what are you adding to your salad? Because you need to add fats to the salad. And if you're eating salad dressing, you need to make sure they're the, it's the correct fat. you want to be using a good extra virgin olive oil and not, something that you buy at the grocery store that's loaded with canola oils and vegetable oils and whatnot. So that's something that I I always bring up. I'm
0: I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we, we have talked about canola oil. Um, do you know where the word canola comes from?
1: No, I don't.
0: So I don't know why, but the suffix OLA must have something to do with fat, I think. Remember Muzzola?
1: No. <laughs> okay, there was like a Muzzola. product for a
0: long time, very popular. We thought it was health food. It was called Muzzola. It was a, a liquid, you know, fat, um, oil, Maz maize, corn, ola. So it was mm. corn oil, Mazola. Canola. Mm is almost, I think, like 90% of it comes from Canada. Canola, that's all it is. <laughs> that That's where the word comes from. Really? Yeah, um, that's it. Canada oil is basically what that would be the interpretation of that. Um, and we've talked, canola is starting to get a bad name. More and more people are realizing that's not a good oil, it's unhealthy. I picked up a product yesterday or or I looked at a label somebody sent me. I forget which one it was. Um, but the first ingredient was rapeseed oil. Guess what that is? Yes, that's what canola oil is. Correct. Exactly. Canola oil. Canola is just so, a made-up name. Rapeseed is the plant that canola oil comes from. So now they're, they're calling it rapeseed oil. Somebody's probably going to think that's some new healthy oil.
1: Oh, because they're now referring to it as rapeseed instead?
0: Yes, on the label, it actually it did not say canola oil. It said rapeseed oil.
1: Oh, wow. I've never heard it referred to as its actual it,
0: name before. That's the first time label. I've seen it on a label. And I am positive they are doing it to get away from the negative connotation of canola oil.
1: Oh, I'm I'm absolutely sure that's why. Wow. Well rapeseed, I mean, do you even know what rapeseed is? It's these yellow flowers. I've seen fields of them. Actually funny that you mention it in, in Canada, I've seen them. And yeah. in yep. Germany I saw them as well. They're they're yellow flowers and I saw huge fields of just yellow just yellow. It just looks like a blanket of yellow. And so yeah, they're they're getting this oil from a flower. <laughs>
0: From I, like a flowering plant. Am I remembering this right? Is the plant itself past- toxic? That
1: I don't know. I, I I
0: don't I don't know if. Go on with the um, with the case study. I'm gonna go look that up.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to know though. I think it's in the mustard family, or maybe not. I I don't think. So. I think it was maybe just the mustard is like the color of it. Never mind. Okay, so NutriQ findings. So the NutriQ found that there's a lot of digestive issues here, which we know because the doctors gave it a fancy name. You know, they they call it. Let's go back to it: the exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. So. Poor woman now thinks that she has a serious problem because the doctor now put a name to it and there's a drug associated with it. So the NutriQ shows that there is a lot of digestive digestive dysfunction. So upper GI is in a very high priority. The liver and the gallbladder as well, small intestines, which isn't surprising. And the large intestines is very, very high priority as well. Now, looking past that, her fatty acids are in a medium to high priority. She's not breaking down her fats if her liver gallbladder is, you know, isn't working properly. So she's not able to absorb those. But, so that's something we want to we want to address. And then when I looked at sugar handling to see if her diet was indeed low in sugar it's in the low priority. It looks great. So I love seeing that because I have to tell you more times out of not sugar handling is off the charts high or in the high priority, no less than the medium priority range. So when someone already has that under control, then I don't have to go through my whole spiel of, you know, what you need to change in the diet. The only thing that I I was going to recommend differently was so stay low carb like she is but include good healthy fats. So low carb, high fat, nutrient dense diet is what should be recommended for her and she seems like she's doing a pretty good job of that. So when I looked further on her medication and supplement list, I noticed that she was on that drug that we discussed earlier called Creon. So it's enzyme replacement therapy. Now I dug a little deeper to find out what exactly is in Creon because naturally I'm really intrigued. There, you know, it's a you know, you have to be prescribed it by a doctor. So let's find out what's what's in this Creon. So when I look at it, the th- the top three ingredients are exactly, exactly what we would find in any broad spectrum um you know enzyme supplement that we that we recommend all the time so lipase lipase, protease and amylase
0: let's stop right there because those are the three you Uh identified that the pancreas releases so we break down all three of the macronutrients it makes total sense they are available Mm -hmm. as a supplement we've prescribed them all the time they work really well Um, But somehow we now need a drug instead, but the first three components of the drug are the same thing we've been recommending as a supplement forever. So what do they add to this?
1: Well, that, that was the other thing. So then you have to really dig to find what the inactive ingredients are. So if those are the active ingredients, then I have to really dig around to find the others. And some of these things, I'm not going to know the names. I'm not going to know how to pronounce because quite honestly, they, I don't think that they should even be in there exactly. because our recommended supplement, our recommended supplement doesn't have any of these added ingredients. It has, it does have seven instead of three enzymes to help, you know, as more of a broader spectrum enzyme formulation, you know, supplement, but it doesn't have any of the inactive ingredients like this, which also includes um, phthalates, which we, we know are, are not good for us. I think they're even proven to be, you know, to cause cancers and whatnot. So I'm looking at this and there's five inactive ingredients that are completely unnecessary, but in order for this to be, you know, a pharmaceutical drug and approved and, what not? Then they add all these other things to it so they can sell it under a brand name.
0: Here's something else I kind of question: What do they mean mm-hmm. inactive? I, I don't think there's much we could put into our body that wouldn't have some impact. I agree. So inactive but is basically a lie.
1: Well, yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess if you look at it that way, but on every ingredient list on the bottom, once you pass the main ingredients, it'll, on most ingredient lists, it'll tell you an active ingredient. So for supplements, it would be usually the capsule, the capsule that, you know, the material of the capsule that the actual supplement is in. That so, would be considered an inactive ingredient.
0: Yeah. So let's even talk about that. That's a supplement. Um, a traditional capsule, if you're not worried about it being vegetarian, a lot of capsules are vegetarian. Um, because a traditional capsule is made from gelatin. Gelatin comes from an animal. and a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. jello comes from a cow. Um, I know that seems weird, but it does. And if you're not worried about being vegetarian, your capsules might be made from gelatin. But in reality, Gelatin's not an inactive ingredient. Gelatin has an impact on our body. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. As long as it's good, clean gelatin, it actually does some good things. So I I think we should throw away this term inactive because honestly, even in my mind, when you said I had to go look and I found these five inactive ingredients, a little part of the back of my mind still said, oh, why do I care? They're inactive. No, we shouldn't think that way. It, they're in there for a reason. No. They do something and they're going to do something to your body. I think that term inactive is a lie.
1: Yeah. Inactive is, it's, it's not true to its definition. And now I was just looking at biotics research and uh, one of their ingredients list. And they say other ingredients. They don't, they don't say inactive, Good, but this is a pharma company. So Creon refers to them as inactive. So yeah. that is interesting because I hadn't thought I hadn't thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Everything that you put in your body is going to have some kind of ramification, positive or negative. So you're absolutely right about that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really think it's a term thing. so that you you know we, we've heard this a lot recently in the vaccine debate. Oh, but most of those things in there are inactive. I, I think that term should mm. be banned.
1: Yeah, that's kind of, it's misleading is what
0: it is. It is. And misleading is another word for a lie. It's just a more polite word for a lie. I, in, in this case, I think that it's just used as a lie. Call it inactive so they won't pay attention to what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, with one of these ingredients in this crayon is polyethylene glycol. which if you were to just look that up, it's a laxative used to treat constipation and cramps, which get this, but can also cause GI upset of floating gas, stomach, pain, bloody stool and rectal bleeding.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about why I'm not really up on chemistry, but I understand some of the basic terms. This is polyethylene glycol, correct? Yes. So what that would mean, ethylene glycol is antifreeze.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Ethylene glycol is antifreeze. Polyethylene glycol, again, my rudimentary understanding of chemistry, the word poly means many. So it's many, many ethylene yeah. glycols.
1: Interesting.
0: I, I don't think that's inactive. Oh.
1: Yeah, I would, I would venture to say that it has it does something to your system when you yes when you put it in there. Yes,
0: you know, I think <laughs> I'm not positive about this, but I think there's polyethylene glycol in Mountain Dew. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's one of the glycols I like- in there, and I, I think it might be polyethylene glycol.
1: Wow. Well, this creon basically to me, and you know, and, and I don't expect everybody to go and research, you know, everything that they're prescribed. I mean, I do, but a lot, most people don't. So it is, you know, it is what it is. And a doctor gives you a pill and they say, oh, it's going to help you with digestion. Um, and so you take it and, hope that it doesn't have any other ramifications that are negative, but I mean, I had to really dig to find, you know, all the information on this and then the side effects. Then we haven't even gotten into the side effects.
0: Let's do that. That's always fun.
1: Yeah, let's let's do it. (laughs) Um, So the side effects include, and obviously this is one that we as, you know, as a team, would all agree is not a good one. Increase blood sugar levels or decrease blood sugar levels. Yikes. So it can it basically affects your blood sugar handling of your blood sugar.
0: Oh.
1: Hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia both.
0: Oh, great! That's fun. <laughs> As if we
1: don't already have an issue with that. Exactly. <laughs> the the next one, the next one is. Pain
0: in your stomach area, fun. Hey, let me Frequent stop there. Or abnormal. Let, let, let me stop yeah. there. Um, there's another <laughs> drug I always see the commercial for called Linzess. And it's used for people who have IBSC. IBSC is irritable bowel syndrome with constipation. One of okay. the most uncomfortable things about constipation is stomach pain, right? Mm-hmm. So you take this drug because you're constipated and your stomach hurts. And one of the major side effects of this drug is stomach pain. <laughs> you can't even make this stuff up.
1: <laughs> you really can't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, the next one is frequent or abnormal bowel movements.
0: Oh, First. that sounds like fun. Yeah. We, we call that, yeah. we call that disaster pants.
1: Yeah. I mean, frequent or abnormal. That's just, oh, I can't, I can't I, imagine. I just can't imagine.
0: Well, well, let's, let's talk about ironic again. I thought this drug is supposed to help my digestion. One of the biggest exactly. issues about digestion is my bowel movements. If this is helping me, why am I getting frequent and abnormal? Yeah,
1: frequent and abnormal. Plus gas, vomiting, and dizziness.
0: There's, there's I'll just be the life of the party. <laughs> now what we're
1: now the one that really shocked me was the sore throat and the cough how would they even
0: whoa relate
1: the sore throat and the cough to a side effect to a digestive support medication
0: I would have to believe if we could do enough digging and find enough information, we would probably find out that that side effect is linked to one of what they call inactive ingredients. That's what I was thinking as well. (sighs) Any more fun stuff we can look forward to if we take this drug?
1: That's where they limited the side effects on their website, but if you listen to a commercial, they ramble on forever about side effects. So it's hard to believe that they posted them all on their website.
0: Oh, no, they don't. So, Many times in the commercial, they will even say, even after they ramble on all that time, they will say, this is not all of the side effects.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, yeah I don't know where well, you go to find the it's rest of them. To find them. My guess is you would have to I dig into the actual FDA documents to find them.
1: Well, I'm not going to go that far with this one. <laughs> there's no
0: need to. Yeah, there, there's no need to. We like to inform people, but it, let's make a comparison here. Um, I can only think of one side effect of a product like Intenzyme Forte. You end up with really What's good that? digestion.
1: Okay, a positive side effect. <laughs> exactly.
0: Like it. Yeah. yeah, it does what it's supposed to do. It, it improves your digestion. No, no other takeaways, no negatives. It, it, it improves your digestion. And I don't know why I'm confused about this, but I'm pretty sure, isn't it in Tenzyme that we use in high doses as an anti-inflammatory? Ooh, I can't recall. I I don't think it's in Tenzyme. It's not.
1: Is it? I th- Is it, you, you mean like the one for like muscle soreness? To yeah. Help it? yeah. I think if that's like a B chain or something like that. Huh.
0: I don't know why I can't remember that. I mean, normally I just, smoke. I know I can't either. We've, we've been talking about so many other things, I guess. Um, we'll look that up. I, I think it might be in enzyme. Um, because it, it's definitely one of the digestive products because if you take it with food, it acts as a digestive aid. But if you take it on an empty stomach, it then acts as an anti-inflammatory.
1: Yes. And I know that there is a digestive. Let me see here because I have a little list of things. I mean, if I, if I can find it right away, I'll let you know. Yeah. But I so, want to say.
0: So this is while you're looking, um, this is how safe supplements can be so for it i'm gonna assume it is in tenzyme right now um normally you might take one or two in tenzymes as a digestive aid as an anti-inflammatory on an empty stomach you take 10 to 12 totally safe works as an anti-inflammatory it's actually pretty damn powerful i was shocked how well it works um i wonder what would happen if you took creon at um five or six times the recommended dose.
1: Don't try it.
0: No, don't. (laughs) Thank you for adding that. Please Please don't try it. (laughs) I, I was, I was only speculating. I don't want anybody to test it. I'm sure the outcome would be really bad. Yeah,
1: I would say. But bromelain I know is good for, as a healthy inflammatory response. But, can't find the one that's specific about muscles but bromelain is yeah and has lipase lipase and amylase and and a bunch of um a bunch of enzymes in it
0: and if you really want pretty good amounts of bromelain and you're metabolically healthy just eat some pineapple and papaya definitely you, do you, you probably won't remember this product. It used to be advertised a lot when I was young, and I'm pretty sure it's still around. There was a product called Adolph's Meat Tenderizer. Ever heard of that?
1: No, I, don't, I can't say I have.
0: Yeah, so if you had really tough cuts of meat, like a cheap steak that was tough, uh, and restaurants used to do this all the time. They would buy the cheap cuts of steak, and I can tell when they do this. And then you put this Adolph's meat tenderizer on it and it gets not as tough, but it tends to get this funky, mushy texture. I can tell it right away. Um, and basically all it is is bromelain. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does the same thing when you sprinkle it on the steak on a plate that it does in your body. It starts to break down the, the protein and the connective tissue, and so it makes it easier to chew. Um, it's just kind of pre-digesting the food.
1: Oh yeah, I see it. I just looked it up. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. That was a, that was smart of them. Yeah. I guess it is. I'm
0: sure it works pretty well. It it does. Like I said, it makes the cheap cuts better, but it doesn't make it like a (laughs) real good tender steak. Um, but I can remember yeah. in the sixties and early seventies you used to see that stuff all over the place.
1: Wow. So yeah, so back to the case study. What I would recommend for this particular person is that they use well, several things. First is to stay on the low carb but increase the high you know, increase the higher fat and nutrient-dense foods. Um, so that would be their dietary protocol, so, which it sounds like they're doing a pretty good job now. Uh, I can't say that they were, you know, prior to going low-carb a year ago. Um, and then digestive support would be chain Plus because their upper GI is in a really poor place. So to get that jump-started, chain Plus is the stronger of the, the options to help support the, you know, hydrochloric acid and and whatnot, Then beta, beta CCP or beta plus. Now you and I talked about this, that sometimes if someone is in a medium to high priority range with their liver gallbladder and they do have a gallbladder still, they don't have it removed that you do recommend the plus, the beta plus just to get them started for like the first 30 days or so. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, um, you know, we, we know almost everybody who's been eating the standard American diet, their gallbladder is compromised. It's not producing good, clean, thin bile. Uh, it tends to produce sludgy, sticky bile, Um, We're probably not getting enough good, healthy bile to digest fats properly. So even though we always talk about one is without a gallbladder, one's with a gallbladder, I've always liked to start everybody on the bile salts, the the, uh, beta plus Or one bottle, 30 days, one bottle, whatever comes first. It's not critical to get it exactly right. And then we switch to beta TCP if they need more support and they have their gallbladder. And the reason we don't continue with the bile salts is when our body produces a compound we want to be careful with supplementing that compound too much or too long because there are times when the body then will stop producing as much. So we, we use it yeah. as a jumpstart in the beginning, but then if we need more liver gallbladder support after that first round, we would, if somebody had their gallbladder, we would switch to beta-TCP which isn't bile salts, it is a lot of nutrients that support the liver and the gallbladder and help it produce good, thin, clean bile. If somebody doesn't have a gallbladder, most of the time, they're going to need bile salts the rest of their life if they want proper digestion. Every now and then, we run into somebody who's had their gallbladder out, they don't take bile salts, and they claim their digestion is excellent. And if it is good, then don't take them. Um, But it's pretty rare.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't think I've come across that yet, but I'll keep an eye out for sure. Well, the bile salts are not, they're not going to hurt you, except for like you said, we don't like to recommend supplements for any long period of time. But, you know, part of the bile that we produce already, it contains bile salts in it. So the bile salts are typically you know, I think I want to say that the bile salts that biotics use are, are from a, like pig bile. Is that correct? I
0: think, I so. think it is porcine. I think so. Yeah.
1: Porcine. Yes. I think so too. So it's not like a synthetic form. It's, it's a real form. And yeah. so it just, yeah. you know, helps provide that, that, you know, you, you will not you just, your body's not creating it on its own or it's creating it. It's just not storing it anywhere properly to where it can be used efficiently. So that's why we recommend, you know, beta-TCP or beta-plus. Yep. Um, and then back to the case, so, BK plus for upper GI, beta-plus for the first month, switching to beta-TCP if she still needs it, for liver gallbladder support, digest, uh, supporting fat digestion, and then in um, Tenzyme k to help support, um, you know, the rest of the the digest, you know, digestion, which would include breaking down, you know, everything from your carbs and, you know, m- mostly carbs. Right? I mean, yeah. your fats, are mostly,
0: yeah,
1: mostly carbs, a little bit of fats and proteins in there as well. But um, the en the N- enzyme protease has seven different, um enzymes in it. So it actually has more good healthy enzymes than, than Creon, the prescription drug. And it doesn't have any of the additives, any of the added stuff. So
0: i say it's safer to use. Yeah. No polyethylene glycol. Exactly. Yeah. Or Imagine that. Yeah. And then one other general recommendation we recommend for everybody, but, definitely when you're going through digestive issues, lots and lots and lots of fermented foods.
1: Absolutely. Especially for this case, because her large intestine is in a high priority. And we know that she was just on antibiotics in December. So really ensuring that she gets a good mixture of good, healthy bacteria back in there um, is going to be critical and rotating them to make sure that, you know, if you're supplementing with them, that you're rotating them every month and also different types of fermented foods, whether you're making them or buying them, make sure you're switching it up
0: quite often. Excellent. So we, we could be talking about things like super high quality yogurt, which almost always has to be homemade, really, if you want the best. Um, kefir, yeah. which is kind of like liquid yogurt, almost fermented vegetables. Um, what other fermented foods are there? You're right. Get get all those. Yeah, get human. all those different types of fermented foods in. You get different bacteria, different nutrients, and the human body likes variety. And since we don't understand gut bacteria as well as we should, um, load it up. Yeah, you know, take take as many different sources of good bacteria and fermented food as you can find and fit into your diet.
1: Exactly. So other than that, that's where I would start with this case. Now, once we get digestive, you know, the digestive issues under control, then I wouldn't be surprised if she comes back and says that she's still having some issues. And I would probably then address leaky gut and have her check to see if she has SIBO because you know, if this has been going on for so long and her small intestines are at such a high, you know, medium to high priority range, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if she said that she wasn't she still was found some discomfort and whatnot. So then we would address weak that.
0: Excellent. One of the things we're going to do on this program, we're gonna come back and do follow ups, right? Yes. I would love that. Good. Good and and occasionally, if the client wants to get involved, wants to come on the show with us, they and they don't even have to identify themselves if they don't want to, but it we'll just put out that invitation now and we'll let people know as we go forward. If any of the clients we're doing a, a case study on want to come on and talk about their experience, I'd love to have them on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and even if we don't have you know, you can reach out to us and just say, Hey, I'd love to come on the show. I haven't done, you know, a discovery call yet. Then, you know, we'll prioritize that and yeah. get you on, you know, to do a live discovery. That would be, that would be great. Yeah. You'll get a lot more out of it than than the normal 10, ten minute discovery. That's for sure.
0: Well, if you think about it, you and I just spent a good hour, hour and a half explaining digestion, the, the, the this particular case, um, it, and that's the kind of work that goes on in the background we call this a 10 minute discovery call and I know people think oh well what am I going to get out of 10 minutes all you're going to get out of 10 minutes is the plan we already did all the work yeah we'll explain as much as we can but really 10 and and again this is because we do them free I mean I I can't have you know people on the phone for an hour on stuff like this. And it's not like there's some timer. And when, you know, you, you run out of seconds, we say, Oh, done. I mean, I know your calls go more than 10 minutes, but we do have to limit them somewhat. They're completely free. Um, But the work is what you and I just talked about. It's all in the background. It's looking up these drugs, looking up the side effects, looking up the syndromes that they have what, what nutrients are needed? You, you put a lot of time and effort into this and the 10 minutes is the lightning round just trying to tell the client what to do for the next 30 days.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it gives them a chance to address anything new that, that came up and, and then really me asking a few questions, but I, it's really not, I, I don't have enough time to, to dive deep and ask all the relevant questions. That's why I recommend if it's not enough and you feel like it's not enough, sign up for the one-on-one because that's where we have a ton of time to really go deep. And, you know, the prerequisites, like I said before, are a food journal, five-day food journal. So that in and of itself really gives you a chance to um, reflect on what, what you're putting in your body. And then it gives me a chance to... Take a look at it and recommend specific tweaks here and there that can help you. Sometimes people just aren't creative to think of you know out of the box of you know, how how can I make this meal a little healthier? You know, it's an easy thing for me to do. So, you know, just little changes ooh, can ooh, make a big ooh,
0: ooh, ooh, I'm raising my hand in case you can't see. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I, I have one, I have one. My lunch yesterday. Hear it. I thought it was brilliant. And, man, was it good. Oh, what? So the, the um, canned mackerel from our store, uh-huh. little tiny mackerel, highly nutritious, kind of tastes like mild tuna fish, not a real strong seafood flavor. I know that turns some people off. Um, I took the canned mm-hmm. mackerel in the oil, just put that into a bowl with all the oil. I don't drain any of it. I took some kimchi and threw it in the bowl, and then I make a fermented hot sauce, and I actually just kind of mash that all together. We could call that a salad, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's a seafood salad. Seafood kimchi salad, that's what we'll call it. Uh, We have two fermented components here. The kimchi is fermented. The hot sauce is fermented. The mackerel is loaded with nutrients, very nutrient-dense, Um, I kind of mashed that together. You get almost, um, not quite a pate, but kind of close, like, you know, a salad kind of thing. Highly nutritious. And then I just eat that with some grain-free crackers. It's an amazing lunch.
1: That sounds really good. And how simple is that? Let's post it. Let's post it in the cookbook.
0: Yeah, let's do that. I mean, it, and think of all the variations. I could have sardines instead exactly. of mackerel. I could have white anchovies. They're all slightly different. I could throw in some smoked mussels. Take some of those smoked mussels and throw enough of those in. You mm-hmm. can create like a pate kind of consistency now. Um, cod livers. Talk about nutrient-dense. We could blend some cod livers into this. It would just about triple the nutrient density and you still have the same taste, slightly different texture. Uh, and, and how easy is this? I didn't cook anything. I needed a fork and a bowl. Yeah, that's simple. I like it. Good. I, you know what else I have to go back and look Next up? Time you I, make it. I have to go back and look up. I post it, it may already be on the site if we can find it. I created a seafood oh. pate recipe. I forgot all about that. Really? Why did I stop making that? You know, I get off on tangents. I start making yogurt and then I forget about, I forgot all about, I have an excellent seafood pate recipe. Hmm. And I, it has cod livers in it. Well,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't see it on the website. We'll have to, you have to dig that up. I can yeah. put it on the, in the cookbook.
0: Yeah. I'll have to go find that. No, I have it somewhere. All right, I I just realized how long we've gone. Are we? Do we have a Q and A session today?
1: We're supposed to have a Q and A right after this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just right after this, we didn't give them a specific time. I guess.
1: No, we we haven't given anyone a specific time. Okay. I'd like so, to, to get a little food in me.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So um, here's what we'll do. We didn't really ask for questions during this time because we had so much stuff we wanted to cover ourselves. Uh, but now we can go do Q and A live on HealthyTribe dot com. Um, I'm looking at my. T- well, you pick the time, and it doesn't have to be on the hour, the half hour. Pick whatever time you want. Let's do.
1: Three fifteen Eastern time.
0: Does that work? Perfect. That's roughly twenty minutes or so. Perfect. Well, give me enough time
1: to get a little snack.
0: We will do that, and it will also give people right. to think of questions. Hey, let's um, let's encourage the people. Challenge us today. Bring us some difficult questions. We need a little bit of a challenge. Um, the stuff we just went over, it's all important. The stuff we just went over, but honestly, you and I could do this in our sleep. I mean, we do this so many times with digestion. I I want some really, I want some questions that we can't answer today that we have to go research.
1: I would love that.
0: Perfect. All right. Let's do it. We will see you live at 315 your time. All right. See you there. Excellent. HealthyTribe.com. Be there with bells on and bring us some really challenging questions. We're going to wrap this up. We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.